to Abiding Life Studios. I'm Noah Wells. Today I have with me Chad Salem. Hello. How's it going? I'm doing well, man. Glad to be here with you today. All right. I'm glad you're here too. I, uh, we've had a couple people get a hold of us and say that they would really like to be able to walk through the unique self-test with an unbeliever. So I invited Chad to uh, walk us through this. Chad's been working with what, unique self test for how many years now? Oh boy, probably since uh, 2000. Okay, yeah. So I really wanted to see if he would walk us through it and see how we can do this with an unbeliever. I really enjoy the unique self test. It's like one of my favorite things ever that uh, Mike Wells came up with. Um, I think it helps. I think it helps unbelievers. I think it helps. Uh, Christian families. I think it helps marriages, relationships. I think it just helps you in general. I really do love the unique self test. Yeah. So, Chad, before we start, can you just give us a you know a couple minutes of just explaining your background real quick, just so people who don't know you get to know you a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've been involved with Abiding Life Ministries. Uh, well, probably since around. Uh, 99, 1999, 2000. And um, I met Noah's dad, uh, Mike, uh, in 2000, I think it was. Same time, 99, 2000. And, and, um, and so we formed Abiding Life Ministries Canada. Um, we got official charitable status. It took a year to get, get it up and running to get our nonprofit charitable status. But uh, 2000, January of 2004, um, and uh, so we formed it and initially just as a help to Mike and Betty, just to help with uh, custom costs with materials across the border. So it was just easier for us to have bulk there, have an office, and, and we just shipped it out to Canadians. So, and then we did a few conferences um, here and there um, while I was pastoring full time uh, at a church down in British Columbia here in Canada. So, so that's the involvement. In, and uh, I went, I was always part-time with it um, since uh, 2004. Mm -hmm. I had been working with the message um, a lot more closely, I guess, around 2002. And then in 2010, I went full-time um, with Abiding Life Ministries, or 2009. Okay. I think it was 2009. Um, yeah, it was. It was 2009. So it's safe to say you've done the unique self-test for a while. Yes, for I would... Almost 20 years, if not 20 years, I've been working with it. So it's been a very, very, very handy tool. And in fact, um, which I know most people who use the Unique Self-Test, like um, the booklet that, that we were, were referring to, this is a little older copy, I think. No yeah, one a little older a one. one. Um, but um, I've been working with it um, ever since um, I, I was counseling, since I heard of it and understood it. Um, now, anybody who comes through my doors to sit down for a, for a session, this is the first thing they have to do to fill out. And, uh, and the reason being, again, is because it allows you to get into somebody's shoes without ever having to, you know, ever met them or done life with them. It allows you to get into their shoes as much as you can. Mm -hmm. It's not Jesus, but it is sure a helpful tool yeah. um, to help to speak the language to the person who you're, who you're um, speaking with. And to help understand them as well. So, so yeah, I, it's, um, it's been a, and I know anybody who's used it, it's been a very, very helpful thing. Okay, perfect. Well, why don't you just go ahead and get into it. I'm guessing um, with, when you're dealing with an unbeliever, you're just basically changing some words around. So you're not saying. Yeah. Made you this yeah. way. Yeah. And it depends, you know, um, um, I, it was, um, um, Noah, um, for those of you listening, had just uh, approached me with this, you know, a couple people have been, been asking him about how, how do you, how do you take this through, uh, with somebody who doesn't believe in Jesus or doesn't have a relationship with Jesus or, or even I, I had a phone call from somebody, um, here in Canada from British Columbia, the province next door to me. They called specifically because they were um, they wanted to work on their masters and maybe get their doctorate in counseling, mm. and uh, and they but they wanted to do it in a secular setting. But they're wondering how do I do that mm. in a secular setting? Like you know, because there's certain parameters of what you can do and what you can't do, right? right? And so and in these settings, you you know, religion, God, that kind of stuff 
can't really come up, right? And so it was interesting when Noah asked me about the same question. I said, oh, man, that's funny. I just, you know, about 10 days ago, I, I had somebody, I had a long conversation over the phone with somebody about this very thing. So, um, so we thought this is a great idea where we want to address this over, over the podcast here today. And again, the main issue that we're looking at um, is how would I bring this, how would I bring an unbeliever or, or somebody who doesn't believe in God you know, or doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, how, how would you use um, this unique self booklet um, in that kind of scenario? So that, that's, the, that's what we're going to be dealing with today, and that's what I want to talk through. I know it asked me, you know, Chad, what do you do? And, um, and so I'm going to walk through what I do. And, um, and now my situation is a little bit different because when people come to me, they, they know that I'm with Abiding Life Ministries Canada and um, they know it's going to be Christian counseling. Mm-hmm. Although I have many, many people um, who come who don't really have a relationship with God or don't believe. And I still, I still use the book and I've had nobody get offended yet. Now, it's a little bit different, again, because I'm, I have nobody saying you can't say this and you can't say that. Right. So um, let me walk through, and then I'll kind of deal with that as I go through. So one of the first things I do um, um, when I'm meeting with someone is, is, is I'll say, listen, I, I would like you to, to walk through um, this book, and, um, and I'll have them read it. And uh, now, if you're in a secular um, counseling company and you're not allowed to do that, what I would do is I would just say, um, starting on page 48, there's the instructions and and uh, and then hints on on how to do it. So and then the test questions. So from 48 to page 61 is is all you'd probably want to hand out to them um, at that point, um, just because. I mean, it, there's no mention of God and that kind of stuff. And, and again, I want to clarify this for everybody listening. We're not trying to exclude God here. We're trying to help the person out who's under um, the walls of a secular company or, or you know, in this case, um, the person who asked is, is in, a, in a secular counseling company. How can I use this because I can't mention God? I can't bring that up. So I would, I would stick with pages 48 to 61. And, and how I would start is say, listen, I want to get into your shoes as much as I can. And, uh, and this uh, unique self-test is going to allow me to do that. Um, I want to know everybody has a temperament. Everybody has a natural born given personality that's been given to them. And the first way you can realize that is if you have siblings, um, are you and your siblings the same? You know, um, I look at me, I have uh, two older brothers and a younger sister, and none of us are like, mm. and uh, not one of us the same. And e- even as little babies, as my mom would explain, we all did different things. I mean, I look at my own kids. Um, my kids are much older now, um, but, um, but uh, we had our, our two, our first two kids were girls, and, uh, and we had them, uh, um, I think they're two years apart, almost two years apart, and um, and they were so different as, as, as babies, you know, one uh, was a real doer, um, as we would say in, in the unique self-test, there's thinkers, feelers, and doers. And, and she just, even as a baby, she crawled around just ramming right through things. And, uh, and my other daughter, my firstborn, uh, Madison, she was, she was a thinker and she didn't just ram through. She always, you could see her plotting her way around, you know, this is here, this would be quicker to go this way, you know, that's in the way. So I'll go around this way. And you could just see it even as, as, as babies. And so we can see that we have the word out. If you can't use the word God, mm-hmm. I would use that word. You just have a, a natural born given personality, um, unique self that you've been given. And, um, and so, so that is terminology. Again, as we talk about in this message, definitions are very important. And so how we define something um, determines what I believe about something. And so, so the words that we use, especially for those of you in that kind of a situation where you're under certain parameters and you can't talk about, you know, God or, or spirituality, maybe for that matter, um, you can use that word, um, you know, natural born um, personality that you've been, you've been just given, you've been handed to you. So that, that would be the term that I've used. And, and, uh, and I've used similar things like that. Um, one thing that, that I, I, um, I remember Mike sharing with me a story, Noah's dad. 
and he was in this one place <laughs> this one time. And I remember it, like two minutes before he was to get up to speak, I can't remember where he was now. Um, but the guy who organized the whole meeting, he comes up to Mike and, and shares with Mike. He said, listen, you can't use the word God or Jesus or anything like that here today. And of course, Mike's like, what? You know, you're telling me this two minutes before I got to get up to speak. Yeah. And he says, yeah, we got Hindus in the crowd. We have Buddhists in the crowd. We have Taoists in the crowd. We have Catholics in the crowd. I said, we have, we have so many different groups here. And, and we don't, we don't want to offend anybody here. And so if you could just stay away from the word Jesus and, and, and God and that, and that would be, we'd really appreciate that. Right. So I remember, um, I remember Mike telling me, he says, well, I said one of those prayers to God immediately and said, well, God, you got to show me, show me the way to do this. And I, even as he said the prayer, those were the exact words he used. So we talked about the way there's a way to live and there's a way not to live. There's a way to do things and there's a way not to do things. And, uh, and Mike just went through the, the, I think there's, I don't know how many different points that 25, 26 points um, that Jesus um, goes through in the sermon on the Mount. It's called in Matthew chapters five uh, to seven, I think it is. Okay. And uh, somebody, most people call it the man on the Mount now, because it's, it's not just a sermon it's Jesus mm -hmm. um, um, giving all these different points. And, uh, and so without using the word Jesus, Mike, Mike would just, you know, he says, wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't that seem right to everybody? He'd talk through about loving your enemies, for example. And, and, uh, and then Mike would say, wouldn't you think that's the way to do life? Like that would be the way. And everybody's agreeing, you know, uh, without using that word Jesus or God. And so, so for those of you, um, you know, in a situation where, where you can't really um, use the word God or, or, or Jesus um, you're really confined um, to stay out of that kind of terminology or, or Christianese, if you will. Um, it can be done, and uh, and and uh, Mike really proved that um, to me when he when he spoke for for uh, 45 minutes, 50 minutes on the way, and uh, and so it would be similar for you in a counseling session, um, just coming up with creative ways uh, to talk about what we know God has given to us. Um, but this person is in the place where they're ready to receive that, or you're not in a position where you can use that kind of terminology. So I, I would, first of all, just give an example of these natural born, you know, um, abilities or personality that were given. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I use my kids as an example of that, even as babies, Madison and Paige were so different. So, so that's why I started. And I said, if we just look up at our natural makeup, um, we have a body, we have a soul, um, that consists of my mind, my will, and my emotions. And how do I know that? Where do I get that from? Well, my, I have a mind. I know because I can think, mm. right? I have these emotions. I know that because I feel things, right. right? So it's not rocket science. And I have a will. I, I have an ability to choose to do, right? So I know that's there because I can do all those things. And I also have this spirit in me that is something that I, I just have this life, right? I have been given life. I've been made alive. And so, and so I mean... If you're not using the but you can re reference that in, in page one here, right? We, we we talk about that, and I and I use that whether somebody believes in God or doesn't believe in God, it, that doesn't change, and everybody seems to widely accept that. I mean, even in the secular world, you hear. I mean, Noah, you and I were talking about earlier on um, um, in our conversation before this podcast, just that uh, people use that word spirit all the time, right? And so. And so you can talk about just you have this natural um, God, you can't say God given, but you have this natural personality, this natural born uh, personality, unique self that you've been given. And, um, and what I want to talk about is, is how much thinker you have, how much feel you have, and how much doer you have, and which one you're most dominant in. And in my thousands of hours of counseling, I've noticed that there's some are more dominant on the thinking end. There's some more dominant on the doing end and some more dominant on the feeling end. And then, of course, I, I explain what that means, right? And so I go through the characteristics of a thinker, like anybody who's familiar with the unique um, self-test would. You know, thinkers, you know, um, they don't like change, for example, and that's, that's pretty much general of a thinker. Um, they like security. Uh, verbal acceptance is very important to them. They value truth and honesty and expect others um, to do the same. So I give some different, you know, um, characteristics of a thinker. And then, of course, the doer. The doer is very driven. Um, 
he always has, uh, he loves new goals and he loves new challenges and uh, go, go over the characters of the doer and then the feeler, right? He's the life of the party, right? Loves, um, loves to have fun, you know, brings color to the world. Um, very in touch with their emotions, can verbalize his emotions very well. And so, so go through the different characteristics of a feeler. And then, of course, give, give examples of that, which I won't go into today because we're talking, most of you will be familiar um, with, with that. Um, so I, I would go over that with them. And, um, and then I, I, would, I would have them um, take, take the test, um, again, which is on page, um, if we look in the notebook, um, if you have one here with you, if you're listening today, um, which is on page, starts on page 50. And so, and I'd have them just walk through the questions and I always add it up for them, of course, but, but, um, that's, um, you know, you're very safe to be able to walk through those questions with them. Of course, I always give them helpful hints on answering them. Um, right. You're going to come to some questions where you're, well, sometimes yes, that would be true. Mm. Sometimes no, that would be false. So please answer what's, what's mostly um, true 51% of the time. What's most true. What just tips the scale and have them walk over that and, um, and then go through that. And then of course, after they're done, um, um, those of you who know how to um, translate the test, of course, you're going to translate that after they're done. And, uh, and so um that's kind of briefly and succinctly um, without going, you know, I don't want to get too wordy over the whole thing, but, but that's kind of um, what I do um, with somebody who, who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus or, or um, you know, who really doesn't want to hear about God, but they really want to come to see me. Um, it's just terminology um, that you use. Um, you can still use the unique self test booklet, um, you probably wouldn't give them the booklet. You just give them the, the test part that I referred to earlier in the podcast here today and, uh, just stay away from those words. And, um, you know, like Mike had to, had to use the way that was, that was what he used, you know, instead of Jesus or God, he talked about the way. And I, I would also just, just as a disclaimer too. And I also remember, um, having this conversation with, with Mike and, and we're, you know, when you're, when you're walking in the spirit, um, you know, as, as God has intended us to, when you're abiding, in other words, mm -hmm. um, you don't differentiate between um, spiritual and carnal anymore. You, you don't, you don't really differentiate between those two things because every, you know, everything is really supernatural. Everything is of the Lord, everything. It's what he's allowed, you know? And, uh, and for instance, you know, um, we believe this point that whatever comes your, your way in your life, had to pass through God's hands first before it ever got to you, yeah. right? So, so you you stop differentiating between carnal and 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 and, and spiritual. Uh, I know growing up in the church, um, there was always um, you know differentiating between those two things, and in some contexts, yes, that's okay. But the point that I'm making is, when you're abiding in Christ, yeah, you you don't you don't differentiate between those two things anymore. You know, everything is supernatural, everything of the Lord, everything that he's allowed. He still sits on his throne. Nothing happens without, without his hand in it. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so, so just, just as a disclaimer, you know, for those of you who are meeting with, with people, um, I don't, I don't, at least not like I used to, um, whoever walks through my doors are welcome to be there, whether they're an atheist or whether they've been going to church since they were a baby, uh, it, it, it does not matter to me. Um, um, the longer that I've walked in this message and, and, and been abiding in Christ, the less I, I have differentiated between carnal and spiritual. So, mm -hmm. so if you're, you're in a counseling company where you can't use those words, um, that is the mindset that, I, that has been helpful to me, and I, I hope that would be helpful to you as well. Um, that we don't differentiate between that. I, I think you, you, you go through the unique self just the same, but you just use different terminology. And, right. um, and, uh, and for me in my situation, I was saying to know earlier too, that um, yeah, people, people know that I, I travel around and I preach and I, I counsel and share this message. Um, but also I, I've had atheists come through my door and, and come for counseling and, and, and I, I never force God on anybody. 
Um, but I always give them the choice. You know, I'll, I'll let them know. I'll bring them to a point and I'll say, well, now here's where I'm going to talk about Jesus. I'm going to talk about God. You're more than welcome to stay and continue on with me. Or if that's too much for you and you're not ready to hear that, you're absolutely free to go. I am. God gave me choice and I'm going to give you choice as well. He's never forced himself on me. And, uh, and I think when you bring people, you know, through a process, you know, and, and they, and they see how helpful it is, like, like the unique self-test. I mean, it, it, it is very helpful. Um, you build a trust with them. And at that point they do want to hear more. And, um, and so, um, if you're in that situation where, where you are with the secular counseling company or whatever, I, I, I don't know if you could say, Hey, can we meet up, you know, um, um, after work hours, you know, and, and get together and talk. I don't know if you're allowed to do that or not, but, um, but at least in my situation, that's what I do. So I hope um, that would be somewhat helpful to you, but. Um, I have a couple questions for you. Yeah, you please. Um, so what, if I was an unbeliever and I really was feeling like I was going crazy, what unique self do you think that person might be? Well, would it be a over the charts thinker, over the charts doer, over the charts feeler? Do you think, do you think well, if, you, if you rate that high, do you think you feel a little bit more? If you just have these thoughts, you feel like you're going crazy. Yeah. Like you're just losing it. And going neurotic kind of thing. Yeah. Um, that honestly, um, it can be any temperament, any unique self. And let, let me explain that. Okay. Um, I will say this. Um, Though thinkers are most predisposed to anxiety and depression, okay, um, simply because they get stuck in their head, right? Right. And if they get focused on a problem or or something that that they really fear, um, and and they keep processing that in their thoughts again, like the hamster in the wheel, right? And and that that will create a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, and, and can make you feel neurotic after a while because you, you're not jumping off that thought. I mean, you, you, you've been focused on it for so long mm -hmm. and then it hits your emotions, right? And now your emotions are also spiraling out, uh, spiraling out along with your thoughts. Okay. And, and then, it, and then it could just feel like it's consuming you. And that's when people start to feel like I'm going crazy. Right. Right. Because you have this, this thought that you had, be, and again, um, I, I will say this, and, and maybe this is a topic for another time, Noah, this would be a good podcast too, but see, if, if you trust God, if you, if you trust him, like you, you have like, man, you know, um, if you have parents who are just so trustworthy, you know, like you never questioned anything, you always felt safe, right? Because mm -hmm. you knew mom and dad were looking after it. And it's the same thing with God. If you just really know that man, God's going to carry me through, you know, like he has me, he's proven that over the course of my life. I'm still here. I'm still breathing. I'm still going. I have a great history with the Lord. Um, to the degree of your trust in God um, will also be to the degree of pressure that you feel. So mm -hmm. if I don't trust God, I have a lot of pressure, mm -hmm. right? Because everything's on me, right? I, I don't have a father's looking after it. But if I trust God, right, then I, uh, I don't feel the pressure. Mm -hmm. I just don't feel that pressure because I know I have a God who's looking at a father's going to look after it. Dad's going to look after it. And, um, and so that will help every temperament, whether you're a thinker, feeler, or doer, um, um, because you want to build, build for them um, that, that they can trust God. See, and there lies, there's the rub with, with somebody who's in a secular situation, you know, like a counseling, secular counseling company, like one of these people are who asked this question is uh, you, you just don't have the freedom to say that. Um, but like I do with the atheist, I just say, well, you're tired of your own way yet. Right. right. Because, because you're, you're anxious, you're stressed, you have anxiety, you want to kill yourself. So how about we try a different way? And uh, so anyway, sorry, let me get back to the other question. That was just a side note. But if you do have a trust in God, you won't feel that neuroticness. You won't feel that craziness. Now for the doer, right, he can get stuck. He wants to get things done. And, uh, and he, he loves a new challenge. And, 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 and if he doesn't have a new goal or a new challenge, that doer can get depressed and he can get stuck on that. 
And that, that will drive the doer crazy because he loves to have a new challenge. He loves to have a new goal. He loves to get things done, right? And mm-hmm. if a doer's sitting around not getting things done, that can have the same effect. Now, it'll be different than a thinker because thinker really gets stuck in his thought. Um, a doer, if, if he has nothing to do, he will go crazy, mm-hmm. right? And for a feeler, it, it, it's for them. It's, it's when their emotions really start to spiral out. So they've been believing a lie. They feel there's no way out. They're not having fun anymore. Feelers love to socialize, like to be the life of the party. They like to have people who are happy around them. And, and if, if they can't be social anymore, and, and it's nothing but stressful things, and it really stirs their emotions, because feelers, often feelers will take on the emotions of the other person too, right? Yeah. not just their own, right? Yeah. And so if that continues in a process like that, that is what will drive a feeler crazy and make them feel like they're going nuts. Yeah, so if a feeler had a dif- dysfunction family, dysfunctional family, then they're going to wear that a oh, lot. Ab- absolutely. And might even blame themselves when it didn't have anything to do with them. Right. Right. Um, depending on how much feel you have, but definitely a high feeler or, or if they're on, on the, on the chart, right? Like, so mm-hmm. if we look at the back here again, the very back page, of the unique te- uh, self-test booklet. So if you're, if you're, if you see the feeler here, if you're between 30 and 32, yeah. um, um, you're, you're a compulsive feeler, right? Oh, okay. So if you're, if you're between, you know, um, 16 and 24, I, I call that just normal feeler. Okay. Um, between 20, between um, um, 24 to, uh, to 30, um, I call you a high feeler and then 30 to 32, um, is what I, what I call a compulsive feeler. Oh, okay. The more, if you're in that 30 to 32 range, yeah, you have, you definitely can have the potential, um, to feel like you can be going crazy. You're just neurotic, like, th- like things are out right. of control. So if, if that's not under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Right. So I don't know if you can do this quickly or not. Maybe you don't need to either. I would, I just had this thought of, so if someone is a high thinker, can you give us like some points you can help that person out? Like my daughter's a high thinker. I have her write stuff down. That helps yes. her a lot. Yes. So can you give us maybe two or three points that would help a thinker, a doer, and a feeler if they're, you know, not obsessive, but maybe that high of a, a thinker, feeler, or doer? Yeah, what's the truth that really brings them down, levels yeah, them out? Them Maybe could actually help, you know, because we're, we're in the business of helping people. Yes. So even if they're unbelievers, do you have any good points to help that thinker that's an unbeliever that isn't trusting in God? Even though I understand that we do get the best help from God. Yes. But they're not at that point yet. So yeah. do you have any points you can help? Yeah. So, so for the thinker, um, so just practically speaking, yes. not spiritualizing this. Nope, not spiritual. um, yeah. So, so what, what really refreshes or renews the thinker is they need time out or time alone. Okay. One, one of those two things that, that is what really renews a thinker because with thinkers, um, <laughs> especially if a thinker is around a feeler, a feeler can exhaust a thinker. Mm. right just exhaust them because because if you're a thinker with low feeler you have low emotional energy and so if you're around feelers all day that that person will just exhaust you and thinkers generally um have one to three close friends okay right where 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 feelers will have a whole bunch of friends right right thinkers thinkers are just they're loyal thinkers are very loyal people very loyal and so um, if a thinker, a thinker's like when they're about to approach something or they're going to about to do something or they're working on a project, um, because for a thinker, right. Task equals identity to them. Okay. Right. So the task that they're doing that, that, that is so closely associated with their identity. Okay. Thinkers hate not to do a perfect job at something. Mm. If you gave a thinker here, I need you to do this and I need it done in 10 minutes. That will drive. If that thinker doesn't have much doer in them, that'll just depress them Mm. because no, they want to look into it. I want to research this. What's the best way to do this? Because thinkers don't like to do a job even nine out of 10. 
Right. Ah, I did 90%. Okay. They want a hundred percent because they're perfectionists. Mm. Right. So if they can't approach and do something to the best of their ability, that'll just depress the thinker. So, do so, they, so does a high thinker, do they accept? No, I don't know if about the word. Do they expect perfection out of other people? Oh yes, okay. absolutely. Thinkers hate to work with, uh, with with people who um what would be the right word um because they're kind of just out there and do whatever they, they don't have the same ability as them they they hate to work with people um who who just don't do it right according to them right yes, they can be very critical is what you're saying yes yes they 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 want to work with with people who they feel will will do about as good a job as they will okay right and so um, feelers would have a hard, thinkers have a hard time working with feelers who don't have a lot of thinker in there. Okay. Um, um, or a doer who doesn't have a lot of thinker because doer, he may not be about getting it a hundred percent done. He's about getting it done. Yeah. And a doer would be okay. Ah, 70%. That's pretty good. Mm -hmm. Right. Where that, that'll drive a thinker nuts. Right. Right. That's why, um, um, most great leaders we read about in our history books, um, great presidents, prime ministers, etc. Um, doers are leaders. They're natural born leaders. Right. But all of them had a thinker as a second in command person. Mm. Because that thinker helped that doer see all the cracks. And then that thinker will slow them down. You know, whoa, whoa, whoa. If you go do this, this, and this, and this, mm -hmm. then this, this, and this is going to happen. Yeah. Right. And so that, that, that doer um, really, really, really um, needs that thinker as a second in command person. So, um, so a thinker wants to work with competent people. That's the word I was looking for. Okay. If a thinker has to work with incompetent people, it drives a thinker absolutely nuts. Right. He needs to work with competent people. So I guess that could actually answer your other questions. What, what will drive a, a thinker crazy? That, that, that can be one of them. Um, because they're perfectionistic. They want to do things well. Um, if you, if you have a thinker with low doer, you can't give them too many tasks at a time because it just overwhelms them. Okay. Right. Because they want to do a good job. Right. That's why if you're married to a doer and, uh, if you're married to a doer and you're a thinker, um, he'll have a whole bunch of projects started around the house, but, but a lot of them won't be completed <laughs> because a doer gets bored after a while. I'm on to the next challenge, right? He yeah. needs that thinker to, to help him get it done, to finish off that, that job. Right. And so uh, again, speaks to the, to the truth that we really are a body and we need each other, right? The head can't say to the foot, I don't need you. Right. Right. Um, we really do need each other and, um, and we complement each other. Um, but to get back to it again, to a thinker, what, what will really um, level a thinker out if they're, they're kind of going crazy is, is they need time out. Okay. Time they, out. They, need a, they need time out or time alone because mm. people will exhaust them. Okay. So that will renew the thinker. Um, now for the doer, um, it's different. Um, what, what renews a doer is a new challenge or a new goal. Okay. Right, because doers love to accomplish things. They love to get things done. Right, another notch on the belt. That's done. You can give a doer a list of say, say you're at a job and 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 uh, you're the boss, and one of your one of your employees is he's a high doer, mm -hmm. and you can give him a list of twenty things. Here, go get them done. Right, and you leave them because doers don't like to be handcuffed. If you're gonna put all these parameters around them, you're gonna just drive the doer nuts. But if you let them go. Right. He'll get it done. Now he may not get it done. Well, you might want to figure to check up on him once in a while, but, but he loves it. He loves, Oh yeah, that's done. Great. Check mark that. Oh dude, man, I'm already at 10, 10 things done already today. Mm -hmm. Right. You will, you're, you will keep that doer for life if you can keep doing that. Um, but he needs a new challenge. That's what renews a doer. He needs a new challenge and a new goal. If he gets stuck on these, on these jobs that, you know, he can't push ahead anymore. What will renew him is is a new challenge a new goal because if a doer isn't getting things done it depresses a doer okay that's what i was right. going to ask do they get depression yeah okay yeah absolutely yeah yeah they'll get down if they're not if they feel like they're not accomplishing anything mm -hmm. um they, they will get down and depressed so you give a doer a new challenge a new goal yeah right 
and, and that will that will motivate them again. So again, mm-hmm. just to remind everybody listening, we're just talking practical speaking, not spiritualizing anything. Of course, um, for people in those scenarios, and then for the feeler, um, um, what what renews a feeler? Um, if if they're you know their emotions are running high and and they feel like they're going crazy, what will level out the feeler? is um is is social interaction mm. right now uh, what will depress that feeler if they close themselves off in the room shut themselves out from people because feelers need people around right they they are re-energized renewed um through social interaction the worst thing you could do if you have a feeler um working for you um is to put them in a cubicle downstairs of the warehouse basement in a corner on their own right. you're just you know depressed because they love to be around people yeah. Right. They're social butterflies as, as the saying goes. And so um, that on a practical level, that's what a, a feeler needs is social interaction. So thinker time out or time alone. Okay. Right. That's what they need. Um, the doer um, it's a new challenge or a new goal. Mm-hmm. And for the feeler it's social interaction. So right. with the feeler, would you tell them, Hey, just step out, take a walk where there's people go to a park Go, go to a mall, go somewhere where there's people. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Right. Um, get together with your best friend, you know, and if not that grab another friend and, and, yeah. uh, and talk through, um, talk through your, your problem with them. Uh, they'll just feel better. Yeah. And, uh, and to have positive encouragement from a friend, not negative rejection. Okay. Right. They need somebody to come along. And if, and if that's something they need to hear, right. That they might not, not like if for a feeler, it's how you word it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, if somebody's just blunted to the point with no emotion to a feeler, that just depresses the feeler. So say the doer just, you know, plows through and the thinker's like, get over it. What's your problem? This isn't a big deal. You're too emotional. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That will just depress. They need somebody to come alongside them and really empathize with them or sympathize with them yeah. and, uh, and be gentle with them. Okay. And, uh, and that it will really help a feeler out. So does that answer your question, Noah? That's a great question you asked. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I, I I was always wondering if there was something else. I, I, it seems like there's a lot of thinkers out there. I feel like I meet more thinkers than there there is and, anybody and actually, else, and I don't know why that is, but um, <laughs> you know, writing stuff down always helped my daughter when yes, she's, she's I I stuck here yes, it's a she, I can get her to write it out. It helps. Yeah, my wife, um, she's multifaceted. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, in her multifaceted temp, again, so for anybody listening in, uh, multifaceted, um, again, it's, it's, it's when you're, if you're a pure multifaceted, you're 16 all the way across all three. Now, a multifaceted could be, be between 16 and 20, um, um, but a pure multifaceted is 16 all the way across. And my is wife with, is, is that with every situation too? Yeah, like um, that's or social that environment. Social. Yeah, so social environment. So your normal environment, um, almost we should just put normal environment because I, I use that word because it helps people understand um, just your normal environment that you're in. So if you're that way all the way across. So my wife is 18 on the thinker and then 16 feeler, 16 doer. Okay. And, um, you know, for her, I guess I should mention this on a practical level what what um what renews or levels of that temperament it's sleep rest mm. uh, multifaceted people love sleep okay. uh, because they have such low emotional energy mm-hmm. um, physically um and they're usually around people whether at their work or whatever people just exhaust them so my wife loves sleep when she gets to nap in the afternoon oh she's so happy and okay. i've learned to say, please go take a nap so <laughs> if you see someone who has that unique self you just say hey Go take a nap. Go I got, take a I got nap. it taken care of. Yeah, yeah. I remember when I was, I was in, uh, I think I was in Denmark. I was um, um, there for a couple of weeks uh, in Copenhagen and doing a few um, Abiding Life um, seminars, conferences there, and counseling, of course. And I remember this one girl came in to see me. And, of course, I, she filled out one of these for me before she came, as I normally do. And, uh, and so she comes in and, uh, and I just looked at her and the first words out of my mouth, I said, Mandy, you love sleep, don't you? Mm. And she looked at me with this wide eye. She goes, 
you don't even know me. How do you know that? Yeah. And uh, oh, I started laughing. It was quite, quite humorous. And I said, well, I said, I've been working with your temperament. I live with one. <laughs> yeah. So I know you really well. You can't get away with much here today. And so she started laughing. But she goes, yeah, I'm always. I said, yeah, well, you do that because that's, that's what renews you. That's what you. That's you. cool. Yeah. Um, before we end this, I think we got a little bit more time. I would like you to go maybe a little bit more into the body, soul, and spirit, how we could maybe explain that a little bit more to an unbeliever. I guess my only question is really, and no, it's a, that's good. I definitely and, can do that. Yeah. Let me just ask this question and you tell me if I'm completely wrong or, you know, so what my question is, is, is the spirit or soul is that what knows what's right and wrong within you? Well, the, the true gauge of right or wrong is we need to filter so everything through the spirit. Okay, um, so spirit knows what's right and wrong? Yes, yes. Is that how that, you could explain that to an unbeliever? Well, see, that, that's where that can get a little tricky. Right, that's what I was trying to figure out. Yeah, because because of the terminology, because the spirit, because we're saying you want to filter your soul. And when we say soul, we mean your mind, your will, and your emotions, your ability mm -hmm. to think, feel, and do things, choose to yeah. do things. You want to filter that through the spirit. Because without filtering your, you know, your, your personality, your unique self through mm -hmm. the spirit, um, that can that can mean um, freedom or bondage that can mean life or death. For example, I can, I can give this guy a hammer to build a home or it could use the same hammer to kill someone. Right. Right. It, it depends on how he's using, using his temperament. Right. And, and so yeah. we're saying it needs to be filtered through the spirit. Mm -hmm. um, so for example, a thinker who isn't, um, who isn't filtering um, his unique self through the spirit, you know, he can become very judgmental, very mm. self-righteous. Okay. That's what will happen to that temperament, not under the influence of the spirit. Okay. Um, a doer, um, he can become very obnoxious, right? Mm. And, 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 and very trite, you know, um, um, lack of emotion. Belligerent would be another good word. Um, a feeler um, who's not filtering through, through, through the spirit um, just becomes an emotional wreck, just to mm. sum it up. Okay. Um, um, their emotions are spiraling out. They have no peace, you know, there's no filter, <laughs> you know, they just make reckless decisions, choices, you know, because they're going off their emotions. So, so the goal is to filter our unique self through the spirit. Mm. And that would be the goal and how we could explain that. So, so that's a, actually a good question, Noah, because I, I do walk through this. Um, I just kind of briefly mentioned it cause I wanted to make sure we had time to, to go through the process that I go through um, with somebody who doesn't believe in God. But I explain now our body has physical needs. Mm. And so I'll have the body, soul, and spirit diagram. Of course, it's on page one in the booklet. Yeah. And so, so I'll be looking at this with them and I'll say, now your, your body has physical needs, doesn't it? Mm. And, and we learn those in grade school, in kindergarten, grade one. Right. And uh, we learn that our, our physical body has needs of, of liquid, um, yeah, perfect. No liquid, mm -hmm. um, clothes, shelter, and food, right? We, we learn that at a, at a very early age. And so, and so what we also have is a physical world that we live in. And the physical world meets the needs of our physical body. So I need food for my physical body. The physical world provides that for my physical body, um, et cetera, right? The physical world provides liquid, water, because I need that for my body. Mm -hmm. I said, and your soul also has needs that need to be met as well. So in your mind, you, you have to have a need to think. And so we meet those needs in all kinds of ways, right? We read books. We go get an education. We go online. We do research. Uh, we meet our, our, our needs of our will in all kinds of ways. And, and our will is our chooser, right? As people will say, it's your ability to choose to do. And so we're making choices all the time. Am I going to wear this black hoodie or my red hoodie? Am I going to turn left at this light or turn right at this light? So we're exercising our will, as they say. We have a need to be able to choose. Mm -hmm. And that's why people who feel they have no choice, um, they start to go crazy, right? Mm -hmm. Um, look at those who, who were in solitary confinement, you know, um, um, they go nuts, right? They absolutely went crazy, right? Mm -hmm. Because, because you, you, you're, you have no control, right? You, you, 
you're not exercising your will. And then, of course, um, your, your emotions. How do we meet those needs? Well, we meet them in all kinds of ways. People will dress up, right, look real nice. Somebody mm-hmm. will say, wow, do you ever look good today? Or even whistle at you. You know, and oh, well, emotionally, that just makes me feel good, mm-hmm. right? So we're meeting those. So, so the body has needs, the soul, the mind, will, and emotions has needs. I say, but what are the needs of the spirit? And I said, how do we know those? Physical can meet physical, mm. but only spirit can meet spiritual. Right. Right. And this is where it might get a little um, difficult for those in a secular situation because, you know, this is where I re- refer to in scripture where, where it says God is spirit in, in, in the book of John. God is spirit. Mm-hmm. Right. And if physical meets physical, then spirit meets spiritual. And what are our spiritual needs? I said, and I can sum them up in four words. Love, purpose, security, and significance. Now, you could add other words to that, like value, worth, acceptance, belong, affirmation. Mm -hmm. But all those words are summed up in those first four words. Love, purpose, security, and significance. And and if you're explaining this to a, you know, an um, unchurched person, a person who doesn't believe in God, has no relationship with Jesus, um, you you have no problem going there with them um, at all. And I, I've never had an issue with that. And that makes sense. They said, well, how do you know those are spiritual needs? I said, well, you can't get away from them, can you? He says, what do you mean? I said, well, do you like to be unloved or do you like to be loved? Mm. Well, I like to be loved. I said, do you like to feel insecure or do you like to feel secure? Mm-hmm. All secure. I said, so it's not rocket science, right? You're, you're just naturally born with that. Right. You you have this somehow. It's, it's just birthed in you. Yeah. Right. And so, um, do you like uh, do you like to have no purpose, or do you like to have purpose? Do you like to feel significant or insignificant? I said, so it's not rocket science. You know, um, you're you're born with those things. Yeah. And uh, and so so that that's kind of how I walk through the body, soul, and spirit. Okay. Um, and that's actually part of my first session with people, even along with unique self, because I'll say, you know, um, um, we have to have those needs met. And, and where are you looking to or who are you looking to to get those needs met? Because you have to have a met. Yeah. Right. And especially people in a marriage, you know, I know you're having marriage issues because you're looking to your mate and, and your mates looking to you. Yeah. Right. To get their needs met for love, purpose, security and significance. Yeah. So I kind of talk about that in my first session. And then normally, um, of course, different scenarios call for different things at times. But um but then, of course, yeah. So that that's how I walk through the body, soul, and spirit, if, if that answers your question. No, it does. Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah. Well, okay. do you have anything to add, or you, or do you want to sum yeah, up? Yeah, no, I think, I think at the end of the day, you know, and, and, uh, and I appreciate the question, um, simply because I, I, it's funny enough, I'm, when Noah um, had called me and asked me um, to do a podcast on this, um, I, I, I told him, man, I just got a call about that. Somebody else asking me too, because they, they were, they want to work on their masters and perhaps get their doctorate in counseling. And, and they really felt called to do this in a secular setting, um, counseling in a secular company. And, and how do I do that? Um, how, what would that look like? And, and I said, um, you know, if, uh, if God can be creative with Mike, you know, two minutes before he had to get up and speak and can't use the words God, Jesus, or anything like that, um, I know that God will give you the words. And, and uh, I hope I've given you some practical, th- practical things. But I, I want you to remember at the end of the day, uh, faith is really important. And you can trust God for the moment. Mm-hmm. And I, I really believe with all of my heart that God will give you what you need to say in your setting. Um, especially if you're in that secular counseling company setting um, or any, anyone, if you, if you're in a place where you, where you can't use the words God or Jesus or speak about it, I really believe that God will give you um, the words um, to use in those kind of settings to speak truth because we can speak truth in all kinds of ways. We don't have to just use the Bible Um, man. You know, I've ministered to people just by simply giving them a hug or putting my arm around them. Mm-hmm. You know that I've had people come. You know, I remember I was at this one retreat there last summer, and it was this lady, and and I just came up, put my arm around her, and just said how much I appreciated her, and and so glad you're here. And at the end of the conference, she goes, "You have no clue how much that meant to me." Mm-hmm. And and I even forgot about it, you know. But after she talked, I said, "Oh yeah, I do remember that now." She goes, "You know, I'm 
um, I'm a widow, you know, widower, however you say that. And, mm-hmm. and my husband passed away a couple of years ago and I haven't had anybody just touch me in a long time. So that arm you put around my shoulder meant so much. And, mm-hmm. and so, and I didn't know that, but God knew that, you yeah. know? So, so faith is important. And remember, uh, as Jesus says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And it also says the righteous will live by faith. So, so you need to have faith that God will give you what you need to um, say and, and, and what you need to have in any given moment. We, we abide moment by moment. And I know that God will give you um, what you need in that moment in that setting. So, but um, so just as a disclaimer, I guess, but I hope I've given you some practical things to be able to use and share if you're in that kind of situation. I hope that's helpful for you. Yeah, I think so. And yeah, I think it's, I think we can talk to unbelievers and it's not our job to bring them to Christ. It's the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. So Absolutely. That's what's nice yeah. about it is yeah, the Holy Spirit is the one that goes at them and, you know, helps them bring them to God. So it really takes the pressure off. You're just yeah. trying to get them to get them to the point of explaining who they are. Yeah. The pressure's off of us. It, it, it's not on us. I mean, Again, in the book of John, um, Jesus says, if, if you lift me up, I draw men to myself. Mm. So you, may, you bring up a good point, Noah. I, I hope that anybody who's in that setting, I mean, I mean, yes, of course, you, you know that they need God and you would desire that. But, but um, um, we can do that in all kinds of different ways. Um, I think Christians over the years have maybe got a little uncreative. Um, but there's creative ways to share truth and share love. Mm-hmm. without having to use scripture references or, or using certain Christian terminology, you know, yeah. Christian words, you know, um, but God will draw people to himself. That, that, that's his job. And so the pressure's off of you with that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Which is cool. And so to end it, you know, anyone who needs to get a unique self test, just go to abidinglife.com or uh, Chad, can they order them from your website? Absolutely, yep. You just go to uh, www.abidinglifecanada.com. Just add the word Canada at the end. Easy as that. So um, they're $10. Uh, you can take one online too. It's $10. Um, yeah, and like Chad said, you just, Chad, what page they can take out. I mean, if you're going to, yeah, if you're walking, you're gonna go speak to an unbeliever. What page do you go to? Just yeah, I uh, forty-eight through to sixty-one. It's the very back of the book. You yeah. have to rip out the back part, you know, yeah. Yeah. or the front part. Yeah, and, and if anybody, um, if you're in that situation, uh, we do have a PDF of just that part. We can, we'd be more than happy to send that to you right now, and yeah, you can use that in in that situation too. If if you're in that situation and you can't yeah. see the word job of so. Whatever will help. Absolutely. All right. Thank you, Chad, so much for explaining a lot of that. Um, Yeah, thanks for having me. I've really enjoyed my time here today. It's good for me to go over this stuff, too. It's it's always good reminders. Yeah, I bet. And uh, thank you so much for listening, and we will do another one soon. Thank you so much. Thank you.